Hi everyone, this is Anna, and you're listening to my podcast on Heaven and Hell. Hey everybody, welcome to day seven of the summer reading plan. Today we are talking about the first part of Romans 4, verses 1 through 12. Before we get into it, let's talk about one of the P's of Bible study. Um, I talk about the five P's of Bible study all the time, but there's one that I don't mention as office, and that is process. This is my process for studying the Bible, which is different than just reading it. And you may have a different process that works for you, but I just want to be transparent about how I study because it might help someone. When I study, if I'm beginning a book, like the book of Romans or any other book that I might read in the Bible, I usually will read a summary or an introduction of that book. Sometimes I'll watch a video introduction. I really like the Bible Project on YouTube, Um, but some of my favorite places to go for a summary or an introduction are the Haley's Bible Handbook, which I've mentioned so many times before. And I also just really love my ESV study Bible. It has some really great information in there. Also, my Bible that I read out of just to read, not to study at the back, it has introductions, which is just like the basic information about each of the books of the Bible in the back. So um, I use all of those. They're simple, but it just gives you some perspective on what you're reading. Then I will do a cold read. That means I'll just read straight through the chapter or the section that I want to read. If it's a short book, I might just read the whole book, like the book of Jude or 1st, 2nd, 3rd John or the book of Ruth in the Old Testament. So I'll just read straight through it. And then I try to ask myself, what did I just read? Or um, are there any questions that I have? And if I can sum it up myself, like I had good comprehension of what I read, then I'll just move on. If not, I might read it again because we all know that sometimes we just zone out while we're reading. So sometimes I might have to read through something a couple of times Um But then I'll ask myself, what questions do I have? And this is an important step because I think that a lot of Christians feel like they're not allowed to question scripture. And just because you have a question or because you question something doesn't mean that you oppose it. God's not scared of your questions. Every time I've asked a question of a scripture, it's been answered. Sometimes the answer is have faith or just trust me. Um, But sometimes I just need to read on or sometimes there's an answer in another part of scripture that I might have missed. So it's good. It's good to ask questions. So to wrap up this part about the process of Bible study, I'll read it. I see if I can summarize it myself. I see if I have understanding. I'll see what questions I have and then I can go search for those questions. Um, Like I might look in a commentary or I might look in my ESV study Bible at the footnotes. And then I just try to make sure that I understand how it fits in with the big message of the Bible, the big picture. And I always ask myself, what have I learned about God from this section? Because it's so important that when we are reading the Bible, we're not looking for ourselves, but we're looking for what we can learn about God. And then I try to lead that, let that lead me to prayer um, to wrap up my Bible reading. So, speaking of questions, 
I mentioned earlier in our study of Romans that one reason this letter from Paul is unique is that he's never met the people to whom he is writing. Unlike maybe 1st and 2nd Corinthians or some of his other letters, this letter is not a response. However, in chapter 4, Paul shows that he already knows the question his recipients might ask. This is why Paul is such a good writer. He anticipates um, what his readers might be thinking as they read the letter. So Paul spent chapter 3 addressing issues of ethnicity between the Jews and the Gentiles. We talked about how that's one of his um, reasons for writing. And he talked a lot about the law and how the law was not meant to save anyone, but it was meant to reveal sin. And that's great news. But here's the thing. The law was given to Moses. And there was a whole lot of Jewish history that came before Moses. It, it didn't start with him. And so it's like Paul knows that the Jews would say, all right, Paul, this is all great. But how does it fit um, in with the rest of our history? Truly, we could go all the way back to Adam, and Paul is actually going to do that in chapter 5. But in chapter 4, he just goes back one more step, and he goes back to Abraham. And you can find the story of Abraham, how God called him, and the covenant that God made with him in Genesis 12, chapters 12 through 17. Um, and we don't have time for that whole story today, but there are two important points that we need to bring up here. First, it's that God promised to make Abraham the father of many nations. You guys know the song, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons said, Father Abraham, I'm one of them. And so are you. I wasn't going to say. So let's all praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm. Okay, sorry. Um, so that's the first point is that God promised to make Abraham the father of many nations. The second is that Abraham and everyone who came after him would be circumcised. So, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Um, this is the situation with Abraham and circumcision is actually less complex. Well, the chicken came first because God created the animals. But anyways, um, Romans 4.10 says, How then was it counted to him, and it being righteousness, and him being Abraham? So, how then was righteousness counted to Abraham? The scripture says, was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before. And the purpose of, was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that, they, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. So this shows us that once again, there is nothing we can do ourselves to be saved. Only God can save us. Um, a lot of, so the Jewish back then, so this is part of that perspective back then, the Jewish religion, so Christianity came out of the Jewish religion. And so there were a lot of Jews who wanted to keep Christianity as a Jewish religion. And so they were telling Gentiles, okay, so you can, you can believe like we believe Jesus can be your savior too, but you're going to have to be circumcised like we've been circumcised. And Paul is saying that is not necessary. Um, because circumcision has nothing to do with being saved. Um, only God can save us. And as Second Peter 3, 9 says, it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Um, before Abraham was ever circumcised, he had faith, and that's what we must have as well. Um, he was made righteous through his faith, and our faith is what puts us in a right standing with God. So there's one more verse that I want to look at. It's Romans 4, 11. 
right after the one I just read or kind of in the middle of what I just read. It says that he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So I want to look at two important words here. It says that circumcision was a sign and it was a seal of righteousness. So um, Warren Wearsby, one of my favorite Bible commentators says, as a sign, circumcision was evidence that he belonged, he being Abraham belonged to God and believed his promise. As a seal, it was a reminder to him that God had given him the promise and would keep it. Believers today are given the seal of the Holy Spirit. So it's really cool. God gave Abraham circumcision as a sign and a seal, but he gives us his spirit as a sign and a seal. So today, if you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, make that your prayer. Lord, fill me. Because if we've been filled with the Holy Spirit, that's our seal. It's like, um, I don't want to say it's like God's stamp of approval. Maybe that's not the right phrase, but it is, it's our seal. It's our promise that the same power the Holy Spirit, that's the power that raised Jesus from the dead. And so if we're filled with the Spirit, we have a promise. We have God's stamp on our lives that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is going to raise us up again too. And guys, that's just the first half of chapter four. It's so amazing. It's so um, full of information. So will you join me again tomorrow? Um, we'll finish up chapter four. And I'm telling you, we're just getting started. <laughs>